Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Af Geeks podcast, where Af Geeks and <laughs> where athletes and geeks collide. As you can see, I'm a little rusty. I keep taking these unannounced absences. I apologize. Uh, welcome by consistency. But until then, let's get right into the episode, man. So right now, I'll do the spring preview for you guys. Just an overview on scheduled matches to come across divisions. It's not going to be every matchup. It's going to be a couple key ones that I've seen highlighted that interest me. Because, I mean, in, in between there, the reason you haven't got episodes from me is a lot, of, a lot of these fights haven't been appealing to me. Like, Keith Thurman versus Mario Barrios. Y'all can pay for that shit if y'all want to. I ain't even bothered streaming it. You know what I mean? So, but starting next weekend, we have a title fight that could be interesting. Josh Taylor versus Jack Catterall, February 26th in the super lightweight division or the junior welterweight division. Depends who you ask or who really cares. But, um, man, that fight should be good, man. Josh Taylor's a unified champion in the division, the unified champion in the division. Undisputed. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. And Jack Catterall, while he's undefeated as well, I believe, his resume is not matching up with Josh Taylor's. His skill set's not matching up with Josh Taylor's to me. Um, I haven't seen enough of him to decisively say Josh Taylor's going to obliterate him, but I have no fear of Josh Taylor getting beaten in this fight. And that's without, I could say that without watching film on another fighter. Josh Taylor's just one of those guys that's a pound-for-pound talent. Um, He's not like, I don't really want to name drop, but he's not like a Teofimo Lopez where he'll get caught slipping in between every other fight, uh, just catching lows, enjoying the success. I mean, the dude's focused. He's a technician. He can knock you down. He got the dog in him. I mean, and it may sound repetitive if you know, if you know of Josh Taylor, but that's because no one can really say anything different about the kid. He's just a, a champion through and through. Now, what interests me about Josh Taylor is he's kind of at that point there's not really a lot left for him at 140. I mean, there could be a rematch with Jose Ramirez <clears throat> down the line if they both choose to go down that road. That's not really advantageous to Josh Taylor to me because, I mean, that was a really close fight outside the knockdown. Um, and they're both kind of ready to get out of that division to go to 147. Excuse me. So it's – but, I mean, Teofimo Lopez is also coming up to 140. And that could be an intriguing fight. That's in Josh Taylor's favor due to the experience at the weight class, due to <clears throat> just quite frankly being a better boxer and a more consistent performer. I think that's an intriguing matchup if Josh Taylor wants to wait around. Now, if he wants to move up to 147, everybody says Bud Crawford, Bud Crawford. I wouldn't run straight to Bud Crawford. I will look at a Virgil Ortiz, and it's advantageous for both of those guys, right? Because Virgil Ortiz is most, uh, I want to say most difficult fight, but most name recognition fight is probably Maurice Hooker, who's also a 140-pounder that moved up to 147, who I also Jose Ramirez beat the shit out of. Anyways, um, so that fight versus Josh Taylor, I think is an interesting fight because, I mean, Virgil Ortiz is a dangerous welterweight, but he hasn't really... He hasn't really established himself in my eyes as special. Like, he he hasn't had that defining fight. And there's nothing against him. He's going along as his career arc should. It's just it's just not flashy to me. But it's not a it's not a Virgil Ortiz segment. This is kind of about Jack, um, not Jack Howard, Josh Taylor right now. But 
you know, I get off on the tangent once I start doing other talks and shit, man. So, as far as a prediction for that fight, we are a week out, so I guess I should probably give a fight prediction. Mm, I'm going to say Josh Taylor trying to go home early because you don't get paid overtime in boxing. I say he gets Catterall out under five rounds. It's been a long layoff. He's had time to sharpen his skills. He's had time to celebrate, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully, he's ready to handle business and get on to the next big thing and don't get caught slipping like some of our past champions. Uh, moving on to the next fight, shortly after, the man that Josh Taylor beat in the same weight division, Jose Ramirez. And he's fighting Jose Pedraza. Now, Pedraza's career rock is interesting to me because, if I'm not mistaken, this is the same Jose Pedraza that fought Tank Davis back in 2017, I think it was, when he lost his belt in scale. He was super pissed. Was that Pedraza that he made an example out of? Either way, him and Tank fought. And it was at like 130, 135, I'm not mistaken. Or it might have been 126. It was probably 130. It was probably 130. I have to go back and look that up. Don't quote me. Anyways, so it's, it's interesting to see him still around and, you know, at, at 140 now and doing a pretty decent job of establishing himself at 140. This is a pretty decent fight. Uh, Jose Ramirez should walk away with it. He will be the favorite probably for Vegas. Um, but. Pedraza's a crafty guy, man. He's a decent boxer. He's improved with time. And, I mean, anything can happen in that ring. It only takes one punch. So, it's not quite as much of a shutout as it would be for Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall. Um, but I still favor Jose Ramirez. Um, by knockout, I, I like him by knockout. Just the way he fights, he's going to hurt Pedraza. And if he hurts him, he's going to finish him because he's relentless. Um, I don't know what the future will hold for Jose Ramirez. Could Josh Taylor leave and leave a, a vacuum at the division? And I mean, ultimately, every fighter wants to be a champion. I don't know how draining the weight cut is for him. I would assume it's hard because he, he has a big frame. I think he's about ready for 147, but damn, I feel like he's not going to be a huge 147 pounder, but I could be wrong. Um... If I was him, I'd stick around. I'd stick around just one more go around. It's not even worth it at that point. You, you might as well go up to 147 and see what you can find. Him and Josh Taylor, they're not so far apart that it's you know, worth avoiding him. Um, So I would, if I was Jose Ramirez, I would go up to 147. And hell, Virgil Ortiz, Boots Ennis, those are fights that are ready to be made. If you don't want to jump right into those waters, because those boys are dogs, um, you can fight. Dave Maurice Hooker, you can fight a <laughs> you can fight a Fakel Brook, you know what I mean, and get your get your feet wet. <sighs> so that's all I got for the junior weight lightweight division right now. I'm sorry, the junior welterweight division right now. <laughs> Moving on into April. Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. Um you can probably hear it in my voice, man. There's not a lot of enthusiasm behind these fights. Because this the springtime is like it's weird because you might you might get a good fight from some of these younger fighters, but the older, more established champions, there is like some of them only fight once a year. A lot of them are waiting for that fourth quarter showtime. Like Terence Crawford normally fight in the November December time range. Errol Spence is kind of like August or October if I'm not mistaken. He likes to fight a lot, but he's I think he fought in like November or December this last year as well. So him and Terence Crawford are kind of lining up. 
but we're not about to go down that road, at least not yet. But I mean, Tyson Fury versus Dillian White does not excite me at all. I mean, anything involving Tyson Fury, despite the Deontay Wilder trilogy, does not excite me. He's not. He's he's a technically good boxer, but I don't really. It maybe it's just his last three fights being the same. Maybe it's just been boring to me. And then Otto Wilder damn near took this guy to the break, cut him real bad, touched him up real good. And I mean, Tyson Fury adjusted in a lot of rounds. But I mean, since Otto Wilder and then Deontay Wilder, you know, Dillian White would be the first new opponent that Tyson Fury has faced. And I feel cheated because it's not really a danger for Tyson Fury in a sense. Like, Tyson Fury is going to outbox Dillian White. This is just a payday for Dillian White. You know what I mean? Because it's a. It's a um, it's a title fight. So Tyson Fury by decision, unanimous, blah blah blah. You gotta talk about it because it's Tyson Fury. He pounds for pound. He's the guy at the heavyweight division. But after Dillian White, Alexander Usyk is waiting for you. And you can bullshit around if you want to. You can do all that that funny shit. Like beating Deontay Wilder is one thing because you can take his punch. You got his ass. You know what I'm saying? But taking this punch is damn near impossible, but Tyson Fury somehow did it, but Alexander Usyk can probably box just as well as Tyson Fury, he just doesn't have the physical advantage with the height and length that Tyson Fury has, but we saw that Alexander Usyk outboxed Anthony Joshua, who, okay, isn't a genius level boxer, but he has a decent blend of skill and size and athleticism, and Alexander Usyk can take his punches, he can avoid his punches. And he could deliver punches that hurt Anthony Joshua. It was visible on his face that Anthony Joshua is a big man. I think Anthony Joshua is tougher. I'm sorry. I think he probably has... uh, I think he's probably harder than... mm, I was about to lie. I ain't going to disrespect Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is a tough motherfucker. But I still always end up to get some by decision. I wanted to say he knocked his ass out because Tyson Fury is so cocky. But I just... I couldn't bring myself to lie to you guys, and it wouldn't be fair. Dillian White, while he's a decent boxer over in the UK, I don't think he's ready for a national stage, at least to try to fight at this level, not the way the heavyweight heavyweight division lays out at the top three. Like, can Dillian White beat Deontay Wilder? No. Can he beat Anthony Joshua? No. Can he beat Tyson Fury? No. Can he beat Jared Anderson, maybe? That's a fight I'd be intrigued to see as a step-up fight to Jared Anderson, but I favor Jared Anderson in that fight. And that's just me. So if we're taking Jared Anderson, and that's just me, but if we're taking Jared Anderson over Dillian White, what does that say about, you know, this Grizzle veteran's career is, you know, this up-and-coming really a prospect, fast-rising prospect, and a promising prospect, but this prospect, in my eyes, can beat him. It should tell you something. But moving on to at least the one good fight I told you. You get like maybe one good fight for the young fighters in the springtime. Shakira Stevenson versus Oscar Valdez for Stevenson's WO Junior Lightweight title and Valdez WC Junior Lightweight title. It's a unification fight, ladies and gentlemen, at ESPN Plus, April 30th in Las Vegas. I cannot wait. You hear it all the time in boxing, styles make fights. Shakira Stevenson. He's a technician, a footwork genius, impossible to hit more than he wants to get hit. And Oscar Valdez is a relentless pit bull type fighter. 
I'm not going to use the racist stereotype that you hear announcers calling a Mexican warrior, blah, blah, blah. But that man is all, bro. That man is a beast. And he, he is a, his rest, his, he's a pressure fighter. But he's smart with it. When he got with the Eddie Reynoso's, you know, Camilo Alvarez's training, he just kind of learned how to control his pressure. And he also learned how to incorporate a little defense. His offense is his defense, but he incorporated more head movement. And that's how he overcame Miguel Burchell. Because Miguel Burchett was a volume puncher, just like Oscar Valdez is the volume puncher. But he was the bigger fighter. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how well Shakur Stevenson can uh, avoid a pressure fighter like Oscar Valdez. You can probably hear it in the pace of my voice. This fight excites me the most out of all these fights. I mean, Oscar Valdez, uh, to me, his chin is a little suspect. He got dropped by Adam Lopez who's really a 126-pounder fighting at 130, in my opinion, because he hasn't really grown into 130 that well. But he got, Oscar Valdez got dropped by him in the second round. It was like a flash knockdown, but Alan Lopez isn't that, he isn't that skilled of a boxer. He's a pretty good boxer, but he's not that, that skilled, not championship level, in my opinion, not at this juncture of his career. But Shakur Stevenson is a lot more accurate. His offensive arsenal is growing. He's still a little bit too reluctant to throw for my likes. But, I mean, he's drugging his career and his defense is impeccable. So, I mean, you're not going to win on points on him because he throws just enough. He understands how to throw to win rounds. I'm not going to compare him to Floyd, but you saw Floyd deploy a similar tactic in the latter part of his career. You know, when he when he knew he was up in the scorecards, he just started doing enough to stay up. Uh, make Playing smart, not getting hit by that fatal punch, not getting overcome by emotion. Uh, but still having the mental edge over his opponent, Shakur Stevenson, similar in that way as well. Uh, you'll see him smile in the ring, talk in the ring, and that doesn't mean he's my focus. I believe that young man's thinking three, four moves ahead at all times. Um, you can see it in his footwork. Anytime his opponent takes a step, he takes two steps back. He's always cognizant of the distance. He's always cognizant of the foot position. He's always cognizant of the hand placement. You can see him probing with the jab, trying to set something up. Sometimes it's a power jab. Sometimes it's a hard straight. Um, he's real good with that hard straight to the body. Uh, watch for that in this fight because with Oscar Valdez's output, you can probably expect him to start tiring out in the latter part of the rounds while Shakur Stevenson's condition is generally pretty good. Um, I, I don't understand how Shakur loses if he don't get hit, to be quite honest with you. I'm going to give you my prediction right now. How does he lose if he don't get hit? You know what I'm saying? Like that's and He's pretty damn accurate with his punches. So... Unless Eddie Reynoso and Oscar Valdez figure out something that I don't, and obviously they're more equipped to their professions, but shit, y'all can tell me y'all figure it out too. I just I just see Shakur Stevenson walking away with that win. It's probably by decision. I don't see him knocking Oscar Valdez out. He's a tough, tough motherfucker, and Shakur Stevenson isn't that powerful, but he may be grown into his weight, so we may be surprised. I doubt it though. Um. And the last major fight in the springtime would be Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. If I'm not mistaken, I believe this fight, Serrano is promoted by none other than Jake Paul. That man is getting into the promotion game. He's doing a pretty decent job, man. He he seems to understand the importance of women's boxing. And then not only that, but highlighting the superstars in women's boxing and giving them their flowers while they're still... You know, while they're still active in their career, so people can see for themselves 
you know, ahead of ahead of the time. So I think that's a really good bit of read by Jake Paul. He has to take a hat off to him because he doesn't have to do this to gain publicity. But it's good that he did. Um, Katie Taylor is also a pretty solid boxer. So I don't have a favorite in this fight. I haven't seen enough of both women. Um, I've seen a lot more of Serrano. And, whew, it's, it should be a banger. I'll tell you that one. I'll tell you that one. Let me look around, see if I see anything in the middle. Um, oh, yeah, I did see something. So, Amir Khan versus Kel Brook. This isn't the fight I really want to highlight. Uh, I really consider this, you know, kind of like a last hurrah of niggas that be getting knocked out consistently in the welterweight division. Um, Amir Khan falling victim to Canelo, uh, quitting against Terrence Crawford due to a groin injury uh, in the ring. Uh, you can't see my air quotes, but... I mean, he did get hit low, but they were giving him plenty of time to recover. Anyways, we're not going to go down that road. Um, Kell Brook using the Arrow Spence and then fucking Terrence Crawford breaking his eye again. I think Arrow Spence and Terrence Crawford broke the same eye, so I feel booed to some shit. But, I mean, just all these dudes just go against the top guys and can't get the job done. But they're both big hit, big hits over across the pond in Great Britain. So it's a great, um, it's a great, what they call it, Continental fight, Continental bout. And I think it should do good numbers over in England. And I, I'm not going to lie, I'll be intrigued to see it because I do think they both have very good skill technically wise in boxing. I just don't think it's going to be exciting in the latter round. They're both kind of out there in age. I don't know how, I don't know how effective a training camp would be, no matter how well it was, to prevent, you know what I'm saying? a decline in, in power and speed and just general output somewhere between, you know, rounds 8 and 12. Because I don't expect either of these gentlemen to knock the other one out. I mean, Amir Khan, I won't say he has a glass chin, but he's susceptible to getting knocked out. But I don't think Kel Brook is going to do it because Kel Brook is also susceptible to getting knocked out. Terrence Crawford hurt him bad with a jab. And that's how sensitive the eye is. So... Keep that in mind. Um, but that's February 19th. We're going to tune into that. I don't know what time they're going to fight sometime in England, whatever. February 19th, Jane Mungria versus Demetrius Ballard and Dezone. Um, Jane Mungria is a middleweight, I believe. Promising prospect. Kind of a pressure fighter. Uh, Demetrius Ballard, haven't heard of the guy. But he must be tough if he want to fight Jane Mungria. Because that guy is whoop. And I'm looking for Ryan Garcia's. The fight day. I thought he had a fight announced, but I may be mistaken. And so, with that, I think that's all I got for you guys, man. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Wasn't that long, like I said. Didn't really have anything to break down, per se. Just wanted to give you guys a short preview of what was to come. Um, Next episode, man, I'm going to get Harrison on this motherfucker, man. I'm tired of talking about myself, man. We're going to tease Harrison a little bit about the sweet science. Um, and probably, you know, just talk through a fight preview with him. He's not going to know what the fuck going on. But it'll be fun anyway. It's always a good time chopping up with my guy. Until next time, I bid you guys adieu. Please be safe. And um, take care of yourselves out there. God bless.